This is because I want to. Hello, and welcome back to Because I Want To, where we talk about whatever it is we want to. I'm Sarah. I'm Lindsay. And welcome back to another week. (laughs) (laughs) Another week has gone by and we're still here and so are you. Congratulations to us all. (laughs) (laughs) We're all still fucking existing on this rock. Woo! How's it been? Uh, Good. How about you? We're finally like four weeks left. So I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not very bright yet, but I see it. It's there. It's going to go by before you know it. It'll be over and you'll be like, whoa, what I happened? Don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> but this is your last. I mean, things are going to be normal again in the fall, right? In theory, that's the hope. Like, I'll be there five days a week, and I won't have to deal with, like, online kids. So that's good. If you are listening to this at some point in the future, hello, I hope things are okay. And also, we just found out that the CD said that we don't have to wear masks anymore if we're vaccinated. Yeah, which I'm like, but, like, that's a lot of trust. I know. That you're putting in other people that I don't have. Like, I kind of want to, like get my vaccine card like in a laminate and just wear it like a necklace so people know i'm not an asshole i ordered see that's the thing i ordered vaccine card holders um because there's just so many people who aren't vaccinated and i don't think they would necessarily disclose that to you yeah i don't know it's a lot of trust it's a lot of trust i I just i don't have for the american people anymore i think i don't know that i ever had it our generation really doesn't have trust <laughs> in no. people in the government, etc. Our generation is like, when you really think about it, we're like really messed up. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, I think in the, the like, I don't know, records of time, we're going to be like a lost generation where it's like, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you were kind of fucked over. But let's talk about like the stuff that happened before you and after you. <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't know us, we're millennials, so that probably explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And we're, like, verging on the end of, like, elder millennial. I don't know. Do you know, like, what the year is for millennials? I think the cutoff is, like, 84. But we're 87. Yeah, so I think we're, like, right on that. Because it goes all the way up to what? like Oh, you mean, like, the the beginning yeah yeah oof well at least i'm glad that things are they seem to be getting better and i can hopefully start doing fun stuff because i never leave my house oh my god i know i just like desperately want to do something like just something anything oh my god i was realizing i've lived in oklahoma for almost a year it's been 10 months that's crazy (laughs) isn't that crazy and i don't feel like it because I've not really experienced very much because I just am in my house all the time. Yeah, man. We've been doing this for almost a year. That's wild. I can't believe I'm it. proud of us. Me too. Like, that's a pretty <laughs> big commitment when you think about it. Like, I don't know. Especially for us. Like, we're very much like fad people. And when we started doing this, it was very much like out of nowhere. I was like, I think we should do this thing. And you were like, okay. And it's like, I'm buying a microphone. I'm buying a microphone. Yeah. I remember. Let's you meet on me, Sunday. You were like, I got my microphone. I was like, okay, I'll guess I'll order it. And then we were recording and there just wasn't that much like planning put in. But I think that that's how sometimes the best things go. That's how genius is born. Agreed. We're geniuses. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's us. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just placed a grocery order. And so I, like, started up HelloFresh again because it was that or just, like, spend all my money on DoorDash, which I was doing. Mm -hmm. And But I still have to get, like, regular groceries, you know? And Mm -hmm. literally, like, all I bought this week was, like, six things of cold brew and a packet of Oreos. And I was like, if that doesn't say where I'm at, I don't know what does. I remember watching a vlog one time of Trisha Paytas and Shane Dawson going grocery shopping, and all she bought was, like, 
cupcakes and just like not any kind of like produce or grains or anything. Yeah. It was like cake. <laughs> I did buy some bananas. So there's that. Anything interesting happened this week? I don't think so. I had therapy. Thursday and Friday were like surprisingly good days at work. Like I texted you about this, but like Thursday I took all my classes out for rewards mm-hmm. because they earned, if none of you are going to know what dojo points are, but they <laughs> earned like 700 of them. So I took them outside um, and it was beautiful. And I just literally like laid out on the concrete and was like, don't do anything insane and just like, <laughs> chill. <laughs> so that was good. Um, but yeah, otherwise not really. Well, I applied to be an extra in the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> it was just like funny because I had to upload like pictures and answer questions. And I was reading that Robert De Niro's in it and he like got hurt. So he has to go back to New York to get his injury treated, but then he'll be back. So I like that he has to go back to New York to get it treated. Can't yeah. get it treated in Oklahoma. Now that you mention it, that does seem kind of odd, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess. I wonder, maybe if it was serious and he has to like be at home for a while. Maybe that's like. He is like pretty old and I, I wonder if he was trying to do like a stunt or something. I mean, yeah, he just he is old. He's like, I don't know, in his 60s, I would think, or maybe early 70s. I think he's older than that. I think, yeah, I think he's pretty old. Mm-hmm. But that'll be exciting. We'll see if I get a call back. I've never applied to be an extra before, but I think that would be fun. I feel like you'd be great at it. Wouldn't it be cool if I, I had an you. IMDb profile and had one credit on it? <laughs> I would love that. I just see you standing in the background behind Leonardo DiCaprio reading a newspaper. I see it in my mind. The um, application was like, if you're selected, you need to start growing out your eyebrows now. So it can be styled for the time. It's in like, I think the 1920s. It's like when the FBI was first Mm. formed. My eyebrows would fit right in. Yeah. It was specifically like start growing out your hair so it can be styled to the time period. Well, that's cool. I hope you get it. I'll actually see that movie then. I mean, I think it's going to be really good. It sounds interesting. It's like... There was an oil boom out here when oil was discovered, but it was on like Indian reservation land. And as it always is. Right. So that sparked all this, you know, drama and there are all these murders that happened. And then like the newly formed FBI got involved. So it sounds cool. Yeah, I would. I think that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put good juju out there for you to get that. Mm-hmm. So what else is up? Uh, nothing else. I'm on the last book of Harry Potter. I'm on Deathly Hollows. The saga coming to a close. Which I'm realizing I never read the book and I only saw the movies once. So a lot of it I don't know. And I'm like, <gasps> when stuff happens. Yeah, I only read the last couple books once. They're For, like really as into good. Harry Potter as I am. I just used to read like the first four like over and over and over before it got like super dark, you know? Yeah, and I watched um, The Half-Blood Prince last night, and that movie is really good. It is really good. Is that the one where he does the scene with, like, the pinchers, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe? Because I think that's, like, the funniest thing. That movie is great because it's really dark, but there is, like, some random moments of comedic relief, which I really enjoy and I think is necessary. That movie is really long. It's two and a half hours yeah. long. Daniel Radcliffe was, like, drunk through, like, all those movies. What? Oh, yeah. He was like an alcoholic. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, when did he start drinking? Do you know how old he was? I think, like, pretty young. And, like, he didn't stop, like, until, yeah. We should do an episode about what fame does to you at a young age. Because that's really interesting. <laughs> Destroys you. It, what it fucks does. you up. Which... Um, along those lines, I've been listening to Justin Bieber's new album and it's like really good. And he like sings about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Like he went through like kind of like a Britney Spears moment there. Remember when he had like a pet monkey and like shit? (laughs) No, I don't remember that. I do. It was like this whole thing. Like 
Yeah, he went through a rough patch. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I would have too. Especially like, mm-hmm. I mean, when you are famous and rich at a young age, if you, like, you have no impulse control. And if you can get drugs and alcohol, of course you're going to do them. Mm-hmm. I would. You have to have parents that are just like on you, like mm-hmm. all the time. Like, that's why I feel like Dakota Fanning isn't, like, insane. She must have had parents just on her all the time and, like, Hilary Duff. And the problem is, I think, not for everyone, but for a lot of kids who are kind of pushed into that industry, their parents don't have their best interest at heart, so they don't have that, um, Mm -hmm. like, that good influence on them. I think it depends, too, like, what you did as a child actor. Like, Dakota Fanning only ever really did, like, serious serious stuff Mm -hmm. with, like, you know, really serious actors and stuff outside of Twilight. Um, she but, was in Twilight? <clears throat> yeah, she was. Who was she, she was in Twilight? She was one She was Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like a teenager by then. Yeah, because um, she wasn't like a Disney kid. I feel like the Disney kids have a lot of trouble. Yep. Like, I feel like a lot of the Nickelodeon stars are okay. Is Nickelodeon, <laughs> I'm so old, is that even still a thing? Do they still have shows? Do they still have stars? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's like a Nickelodeon show that's like big now? That, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <know>. whatever. <laughs> I just finished watching Big Time Rush. That was my, what I watch in the morning while I eat show, but I just finished it. Was that a Nickelodeon thing? It was. I think it okay. stopped airing in like... 2013 or something to me i can't really think of nickelodeon shows beyond what i watched like all that in the amanda show yeah it went through like a lot of shifts so like there were it was all cartoons for a while except for like all that yeah and then it was stuff like iCarly and victorious and disney stuff yeah except better See, yeah, I was a Nickelodeon kid, and you were a Disney kid. I was. Hmm. We weren't allowed to watch most stuff on Nickelodeon. That was on when we were little. Too edgy. Well, I think about yeah. when I I would watch, like, Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life, and those shows were, like, really fucked up. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I was allowed, for whatever reason, to watch Rocco's Modern Life. I was not allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy. And I think my parents literally just judged it by, like, what time it was on TV. Yeah, so, like, Ren and Stimpy fair. came on at, like, 9, uh-huh. and I wasn't allowed to watch it, and I think Ren and Stimpy came on at, like, 8, and so I was allowed to watch it. When you watch, like, Ren and Stimpy now, it's, like, a fever dream. It's so mm-hmm. weird. It's disgusting, but I thought it was great. You know what show I loved was Ah Real Monsters. Me too. Oh, that, show. that show's really good. It's on Paramount+. Plus. I was delighted. <gasps> All the old Nickelodeon stuff is on there. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. I'll have to watch that tonight. And like Cat Dog and Angry Beavers. Oh, I remember Angry Beavers. Yeah. Like there was definitely like that transition from Ren and Stimpy and stuff when it was like the early 2000s. And that was like Cat Dog and Angry (laughs) Beavers. And like what was the one? The Cowardly Dog. Somebody the Cowardly Dog. Oh, was it Courage, the Cowardly Dog? Yeah, yeah I never yeah, watched that. I don't know what that is. That was that era where I like kind of switched over to Disney. Because that's think, when we got Disney. Yeah, well, I think that was also... I didn't really watch those shows because I think I was kind of aging out at that point. That was right on like mm-hmm. the cusp of the next, like I don't know, group of kids. What did you watch then if you didn't watch Disney? Because I watched like Lizzie McGuire. No. And... I didn't watch any of the stuff. I watched... Um, okay, so on Nickelodeon, like Rocco's Modern Life, there was a show called Rocket Power. There's a show called Kablam. I love Rocket. Oh my God, Kablam. Kablam was I really watched good. Kablam. All that. Kablam was in like the 90s, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. What about like the early 2000s? What did you watch? Those were in high school, so I'm trying to think of what I watched. I watched The OC. <laughs> Yo, Julia texted me. The OC was on 18 years ago. That's when it premiered. <laughs> Every, 18 years ago every now and then i'll rewatch like laguna beach that was like the kind of stuff i, I had laguna <laughs> beach was the only reality show i ever watched where i was like yes i like this and i had it on dvd 
it's great programming. So I watch stuff like that. But when I was a kid, I also really liked Nick at Night. So I would watch like Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. Me too. <laughs> I used to come home and that was when all the old cartoons was on. And so mm-hmm. I would watch the Jetsons. Yeah. And this was in like middle school, like the Jetsons, Scooby-Doo, the Flintstones. I would watch mm-hmm. all those. I always like the Jetsons better than the Flintstones. Because it was better. Yeah. <laughs> it just was. Unequivocally better. And Scooby-Doo was better than both of them. See, I like couldn't get into Scooby-Doo just because I thought, I like, I think Shaggy just annoyed me. He was so, like, dumb. <laughs> I really liked the Scooby-Doo specials where they had celebrities on, but they were, like, cartoons. And so, like, the Harlem Globetrotters came on all the time, which was delightful. Um, but, yeah. I'm trying hey, to think of, like, what? Hey, Arnold. I loved <gasps> Hey Arnold. I loved Hey Arnold. <laughs> oh, man. Do you ever think about how fucked up Helga was on yeah. Hey Arnold? Like, she had a gum shrine to him in her closet of all the gum he chewed. Yeah, and, like, when you think about it, Arnold himself, like, all the characters are really interesting because Arnold lived in like a boarding house with a bunch of like yeah. people and didn't have his biological parent he lived with like his grandparents and what was his friend's name jamal i think so doug i like doug too yeah Ugh, see i didn't like doug very much oh i love doug my i remember my grandfather would watch doug with me he really enjoyed doug <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what i watched a lot of in like the early 2000s was it those shows that came on on like saturday morning that were like off-brand tv so like xena uh-huh beast master mutant x i really liked mutant x but i could never figure out like when new episodes aired because they were like all syndicated okay. so like i could never keep track of anything it was always ant there's an ant sorry <laughs> it's the season of bugs right me. now there's like ants in my house yeah, I was, like, sitting down outside before this, and I'm sure they're, like, on me now. I've realized when you move to a new place, it's, like, part of the journey is discovering, like, what bugs come into your house. Mm-hmm. At when what times of year. House, uh-huh. Sprickets. Sprickets. I, I didn't know what that was, and now I know. So you told me you were going to tell me about your belated honeymoon. Oh, yeah. So... Last summer, for those who don't know, I got married in the midst of COVID. It was a bit of a panic because, <laughs> like, <laughs> the, you know, COVID was going crazy. The border was shut down. Trump was issuing these executive orders about visas not being issued to people. And Brock was going to be in between visas at that point. So for that, with other reasons, we were like, okay, let's just get married. So we just did, like, a justice of the peace thing. So this summer, we're going to do like a belated honeymoon, and guess where we're going to go? Greece. There's not that many, well, when I was looking up like two weeks ago, there's not that many places you can really go to right now. Hit me with a hint. We've been there. Iceland. Iceland! (gasps) That's going to be delightful! (laughs) Right? I'm so excited. I think we're going to do the same thing that you and I did, which was like a car like a road trip around the island like the ring road yes oh you're gonna have so much fun so yeah i'm excited we'll take pictures and i think probably do a lot of the same things that you and i did yeah if you've never been there people at home iceland is magical it's that's what i told brock it's magical and i think he'd really like it because it's like outdoorsy and it's like beautiful Mm -hmm. And, and everyone's was, super nice. They speak English, so it's not yeah. stressful. I always have that memory of, so me and Lindsay originally planned to like rent a 4x4 and like go camping in the middle of Iceland. <laughs> and you have to have a 4x4 because there like aren't fucking roads. Like you just like drive into the middle of Iceland. And then we decided not to do it. And we decided to like switch up our car and we got like a really shady rental car <laughs> And rent camping equipment randomly and go camp in the Thing National Park. And um, I just remember that guy at the store trying to describe to us how to get there. And he didn't speak English very well. And he was just like, you you go over the hoof, hoof. <laughs> I was like, yes, I follow you. Oh, my 
my god we should do an episode where we just talk about all the crazy adventures we've been on because like i had never we went camping i think because i'd never gone camping and we we're like iceland would be a cool place to do it oh my god that's the, <laughs> that is the hardest i've ever laughed in my entire life i thought you were gonna pass out you were laughing so hard we were trying to like set up this tent and it was really hard and thank God the sun didn't go down because it took a really long time. And like our part of the tent blew away into the lake. And Sarah had to like go get it. And I turn around and like what we had already done was like apart and billowing in the wind ferociously. And I was like, oh my God. And the thing you have to understand is like Iceland doesn't really have any native things. All Iceland has is birds and bugs. Yeah. And when you are near water, the amount of bugs that there are. Like, we were going to, like, camp next to this lake and ultimately just, we, like, ended up camping by, like, the bathrooms because there were no (laughs) bugs. I remember being, like, next to a parking lot and the people next to us had lawn chairs and they're, like, in their bathing suits just in the sun. It did not feel remote at all. <laughs> no. And then we got like ticketed because we didn't pay to like camp because we didn't know you had to. Oh, I didn't remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was like a nice ticket because it's Iceland. It literally had like a little note on it. It was just like, please come pay this at this office. Oh, my God. What I remember from our Iceland trip is when <laughs> we were like driving and on the way to our destination it was like you could go this way which will take this long amount of time (laughs) or you could take this shortcut through the mountains which will be like a lot less time but the roads are like f5 and we didn't know what that meant we're like we'll go the short way we're driving like a little nissan micra (laughs) and like you're, we're driving like through this mountain, this little road on the side of a mountain. There's no guardrail. It's like really steep on one side. And like our car like couldn't go up the hill. And I was like, oh my God, like what are we going to do? And Sarah just like guns it. And she's like, ah! <laughs> And I was like, oh God, we're going to die. We're going to like roll off this mountain. <laughs> I was like, this is the only way we're going to make it up. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, that was like crazy, but we lived to tell the tale. There was no sufficient warning about that road, I don't think. No. It was pretty, but terrifying. We saw some random sheep just like chilling. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Iceland. I almost want to book a trip for myself just to like Mexico this summer and just like go to a resort and chill. Do it. I kind of want to. I might see if there's, like, a Groupon. Can you go to Mexico right now? I don't think so. When I was looking for the places we could go to, it was between Iceland this, that we would want to go to, the Seychelles and the Maldives. Like, there wasn't a lot Ooh. of options. But that was a couple weeks ago, so I don't know if things mm-hmm. have changed. Well, we shall see. Well, should we jump into our topic? Yeah, our topic's assholes of history this week it's the first part of yes. series yeah we're, we're doing a series guys yeah it's gonna be exciting all different like figures from histories with different like categories so this week assholes <laughs> yeah assholes and we'll also do one we think maybe on like heroes and then also like geniuses mm-hmm. so yeah we'll go through the spectrum of people Excellent. Well, would you like to go first or shall I go first? How many people do you have? I just have one. So maybe I'll go first because I have one person I have a good amount of information on and another person not as much. If we don't have time, then that's fine. Perfect. Hit me with it. All right. I'm going to warn you all. (laughs) It's been light up until this point. It's about to get very dark. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited. About as dark as you can get, because I'm talking about Shiro Ishii, who I'm sure you don't recognize his name, but he's related to World War II. Mm-hmm. And he's known for the development and application of biological weapons at Unit 731 during World War II. Yeah, they were like the equivalent of like 
what was his name? Mendela or Mengala? Mengali. Joseph Mengali. Yeah, He's worse. Yeah. This guy's worse, I think. Delight. Hit me with it. Do you know anything about him? I know that the Americans bought this data off the Japanese when the war was over. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know about this dude, I think, until I moved to New Orleans. And they have a really good World War II museum. If anyone ever goes, go to that museum. And there was just one paragraph, I think, on one sign about Unit 731. And that was it. Like, you never hear about I never heard about it. Yeah. I asked somebody recently why they think that we don't talk about Japan in World War II like we talk about Germany. And they said it's because of American guilt over dropping the bombs. Yes, I did not realize the whole, what do they call it? The Pacific Sphere or whatever? Theater. The Pacific, Pacific Theater. Pacific Theater, that that was, we never learn about that part because it's not, no. it's not as pleasant or triumphant as the yeah. Germany stuff. It's, it's very like dirty. It's very dirty. So this dude, Shiro Ishii, was born in 1892 In 1921, he became a military surgeon. And in 19, while he was in graduate school, he, I guess something that was notable about him was he grew bacteria pets in Petri dishes, which people thought was like weird. Like a little weird. Not for experiments, but just for like companions. And in 1928, he toured the West researching bio and chemical warfare and in 1936, he became the director of this, I guess they would call it like a research facility, but we would call it like a torture facility or concentration camp called Unit Lovely. 731, mm-hmm. which I didn't even realize until I was looking up stuff for today that this was before World War II. This oh. was just what they did. They're so kind of off topic but not really so the book series i'm slowly fucking reading which the first book is the poppy war in that book it's like loosely based on like relations between china and japan like there's definitely a nation Mm -hmm. in it that's supposed to be japan and a nation that's china and there's like an island in between them and the like place that is supposed to be japan like experiments on the people from this island yeah these like powers and i think it's supposed to be that's like, this. i think there's a character in that book who's probably supposed to be this dude yeah i'm sure and i didn't realize that like the rape of nanking was a thing which i think nanking mm-hmm. was like this place in china and like the japanese went and just like completely de- like mm-hmm. destroyed it i didn't know about it until we went to that museum right yeah we just don't learn about that but so anyway, this dude, what's his name again? Shiro Ishii became the director of Unit 731. And I'm not going to go into all the gross details of what they did there. Like, you all can look it up if you want to. It just seems kind of like gratuitous. But just to give you an idea, they did experiments on live humans, including but not limited to infecting. This is all from Wikipedia. Infecting living subjects with plague rats forced pregnancies, vivisections, and inducing frostbites and trying to cure it by bludgeoning frozen limbs. So they would torture people, and they were really big on vivisection, was like a big deal. And they would call, I guess their euphemism for the people that they tortured was logs. So they would call them logs, and they'd be like, oh, how many logs, like, fell today in that experiment? Ew. Right? And I guess, like, a lot of the, quote, scientists that worked there were desensitized to all this torture through, like, animal torture. Like, it seems like it was a real systemic thing in that scientific field Mm -hmm. in Japan at the time. So, (laughs) his, this dude's big thing was bio and chemical warfare. So, they would experiment with plague and disease, and they would tested out on like Chinese villages. So you like release all this stuff. So it's estimated. Let me see what I wrote down here. At one point on the Wikipedia page, it says that he and his colleagues resulted or they caused the death of over 10,000 people 
But through that bio warfare stuff, some people estimate it was up to half a million people that they killed. Some people just suck. Yeah. Like it said in the book that when they're like talking about the people who like, you know, are supposed to be from Japan and like the characters, like, well, how can they be so awful? And one of the er- other characters basically says, when you are trained to be like associate yourself so much with the whole and not the mm-hmm. individual that it like dehumanizes you and you do things people wouldn't normally do because you're part of this bigger like machine so to speak it seems like yeah that was the issue with japanese culture at the time is that people with the emperor were so like blindly loyal to him that's why you have like the kamikaze like pilots Mm -hmm. and stuff that if the emperor didn't surrender people would just fight to the death they would just keep destroying themselves pan has always had this you know with samurais like killing themselves when they've like done something shameful what is it called seppuku like they just have that in their culture yeah where if you don't like follow orders and the rules it's like the greatest shame and you should just Mm -hmm. die like it's better to die yeah it's very shame based yeah so this dude so evil um And again, he was the director of this place. So they performed tests on prisoners with bubonic plague, cholera, smallpox, botulism, and other diseases. And towards the end of the war, Ishii would develop a plan to... I had never heard of this before. It's called Operation Cherry Blossoms at Night, which how fucking evil. It was this plan where they were going to spread plague fleas along the populated west coast of the U.S., like plague flea bombs, I think is what they're gonna do. I <laughs> I have such feelings about chemical and bio warfare. Like that's why such it's fucking feelings. That's why we've all kind of come together as the world and been like, you guys don't do that. That's just yeah. oof. Pass, pass. <laughs> yeah, let's pass on that. So the only reason that that cherry blossoms plan didn't happen, I guess, was because the war ended. Like they were. Ugh going to do it but can you guess what happened to i keep having a look at his name he was i don't pardoned. feel bad though yeah shiro ishii because mm-hmm. america wanted the data yeah so what i kind of in an odd way i don't like this about the story but i appreciate it in the theme our theme of assholes is that we're also the assholes here mm-hmm. the united states mm-hmm. government Because none of these people were charged with war crimes. Apparently, the Soviets wanted to charge him. But the Americans were like, no, we like want their data. We want their research. Yep. And let's see. Dr. Edwin Hill, the chief of Fort Detrick. Is that in Maryland? Yeah, it's in Frederick. He stated that their information was, quote, absolutely invaluable and it could never have been obtained in the united states because of scruples attached to experiments on humans and the information was obtained fairly cheaply yeah man i knew that part of it so his immunity deal was concluded in 1948 he was never prosecuted can you imagine that never prosecuted for anything nothing i think i think it happens a lot for potentially murdering up to half a million people that's wild. Yep. And Yep. Okay, this part I didn't know. This Cambridge University history lecturer named Richard Drayton claimed that Ishii later went to Maryland to advise on bioweapons. I don't really know anything about this dude, but that's what he said. Another so source says, is like where they do all like that stuff, so it's probably that makes that's sense. Crazy. Another source says that he stayed in Japan where he opened a clinic performing examinations and treatments for free. I would not want that man to give me any sort of treatment. So he died in 1959 from laryngeal cancer in Tokyo. Oh, so sad. And so sad. Converted converted to Catholicism shortly before his death. So he just lived his life and I guess was fine. And people don't really know much about him after the war, I guess. 
Lindsay. There are some real trash, like, people in the world. I know. Just, like, trash. Just, like, absolute trash. Well, and like I said, what surprised me, that this was before even World War II. This is just, like, what they did. And I guess they would get a lot of their people to torture from, like, you know, people who were mentally ill or disabled mm-hmm. or, like, criminals or just, you know, at-risk populations, like, marginalized oh, people. yes. Scientists mm-hmm. love to test on prisoners. I know, right? Prisoners and orphans, then. So that dude was an asshole. Un- you know, unarguably, totally an asshole. Yes. That is a trash human. Shall I tell you about another trash human? Yeah. I'm going to tell you about Grigory Yefimovich Rasputin. Oh, I love me a little Rasputin story. Who doesn't love a Rasputin story? So I got all of my information from Wikipedia and a biographics video. So Rasputin, whose first name is Grigory, but he went by Rasputin, so that's what I'm going to call him, uh, was from Russia, specifically, I'm going to try and say this, Pokrovoyskye, which is in Siberia. So he was born in 1869 when the Russian Empire was still the Russian Empire. So we have mm-hmm. czars. We have the Romanovs. We have Orthodox Christianity. All the fun stuff. <laughs> so, so fun. <laughs> just set, set the scene. Uh, so he was a peasant because Russia still had feudalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, had about seven brothers and sisters before him, none of which made it to adulthood. So he was their mm-hmm. like parents' only living child. Uh, a couple places said that maybe he had a sister who was born after him, but that was, like, inconclusive. Um, so historians don't know a ton about his childhood, mostly because he got so famous that people made up a lot of shit about him, and he probably made up a lot of shit about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stories about him, like, healing people as a child and having visions and, like, all this shit. And then mm-hmm. there are also stories about him being, like, awful and, like, stealing stuff and, like, beating people up. So who the mm-hmm. fuck knows? Um, We do know he had a shit education, which makes sense, uh, and was illiterate, like, well into adulthood. So in 1886, he goes to Abilak, Russia, and he meets a girl named Praskovia Dabrovina, uh, and they get married in 1887, and they have seven kids, three of which make it into adulthood. Um, She Hmm. never leaves their hometown, so he takes her to his hometown. They live with his parents. Um, and she never leaves there, even when he does. Like, she stays there. He comes and goes. He treats her like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she stayed, like, devoted to him their whole life. So, in 1897, I titled this section, Conversion. <laughs> oh. Yes. Part so two. He, <laughs> yes. I divided this <laughs> So, he ends up going on a pilgrimage, completely unclear as to why. Like, some stories said he stole a horse and he was being chased and he hid in this monastery and he met these monks and then, like, it went from there. Or that he stole a horse and he was escaping the consequences. I don't know. He had a vision. Some shit in that realm. One way, shape, or form, he ends up at a, in a monastery. Okay. So he ends up at the St. Nicholas Monastery at Verkhotyre in 1897. He stays there for a few months. That's probably where he learned how to read. Um, but he left because he said all the monks were, like, fucking each other. <laughs> what? Like, I mean, yeah, I think that's fairly common. Monks? Yeah, man. I mean, what else are they going to do? You say that like that's common knowledge, but I thought the whole thing about being a monk was that you weren't supposed to do shit like that. Especially uh, with think, each other. I think they were all doing shit like that. How um, common do you think that is, though? I think fairly. Really? Especially back in the day. Like, maybe today, not so much, because if you're a monk today, it's probably because you really want to be one. But back Uh in the day, like, a lot of people who got into that stuff, you either became a monk because you were really interested in, like, books and shit, and that was, like, the only way you had access to it, or, like, you were escaping something. Like, most women who became nuns in that time period was not because you wanted to be a nun. Call me naive, but this is news to me. I thought monks should love God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they do, but... (laughs) I mean, that makes sense, like, if you, you know, are like, all I can do is be a nun, and then, you know, every once in a while, you gotta probably let off some steam. 
Yeah, man. So he was like, not here for that. I don't really like monastic life in general. So he leaves. Um, he comes home and he is like visibly changed. So he's like very disheveled. He becomes a vegetarian. He stops drinking. He starts like praying and singing all the time. Uh, just like a very visible shift. Um, he becomes a stronic, which is Russian for like holy wanderer or pilgrim. Um, and basically he would just like peace out from his family for like months and years at a time and go to holy sites. And he was super gross because if you were astronic, I guess you couldn't bathe. And it was part of it. So he just like didn't bathe and he would walk around in shackles and some, as like some sort of self-flagellation. Um, just like, you know, setting up the scene for being an asshole. This is like late 1800s, right? Yes. Okay. So he does this for a while. Like, he's pretty old, like, when all this shit kicks up. Um, So by the 1900s, he had a small group of followers who would pray with him on Sundays in his dad's basement. Uh, He has, like, his little (laughs) cult following. It's like, hey, let's Um, go to my parents' house. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Uh, And basically other people in in the community thought it was super shady. They thought he had joined this, like, mystic cult called the... Christy or Christy, which was this strange religious sect. They believed in shedding off your sins. And so they would do this with sex orgies and like choke mm. each other out to get high <gasps> and stuff to get their sins what? out. I never knew yeah, this like, about him. So who the fuck knows? Uh, but a lot of people were associating and it's unclear whether he actually was involved with them. Uh, I think his, I was reading about his daughter, and his daughter said he probably at least, like, met them. Um, But basically, people Mm. were really suspicious that he was a part of this group, and he was employing these tactics, whatever. Um, So in the early 1900s, he travels to Kazan, Russia, where he became known as a staritz, or a holy man, and basically would, like, help people out with their shit. So, like, you have anxiety? Are you having a crisis? Let me help help you out with my, like, holy mysticism. Um, And basically, this is when it started being very clear that he was, like, having sex with his followers. um, So he had a cult. I didn't know that. I thought he was just a a random dude. Yeah, he had, like, a cult following. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So when he's in Kazan, all this stuff is going down. But he definitely has, at this point, some pretty prominent connections, um, especially within the church. Uh, because Orthodox Christianity, you know, it really does ride that line of mysticism anyway. Mm. Um, so he gets a recommendation from the bishop, or gets a recommendation to go to the bishop in St. Petersburg. So he apparently has a vision that he should go, so he goes. Um, he goes there, and he goes to the Nevsky Monastery, and he makes friends with some real influential motherfuckers. <laughs> um <laughs> I think it was because Russia was in, like, a weird time period right now. Like, obviously, the Russian Revolution happens, like, not that long after this. Um, And he was, like, odd, which made him kind of, like, a curiosity. So he kind of, like, collected other oddballs in the Mm -hmm. aristocracy, like, to him. It's kind of like the bridge between, like, the old world and, like, the new world. Mm -hmm. That's very much, I think, an accurate representation of where Russia was at this point. So he basically is, like, collecting these people and, like, working his way up the ladder. So in 1905, he meets Tsar Nicholas, um, but he actually goes home for a while before he returns to St. Petersburg. And this is where it gets a little murky as to how he really ingratiates himself into their family. Yeah, I was going to ask you to just meet him through his, like, connections at the mm -hmm, court. Okay. mm Mm-hmm. So he, like, apparently wrote Tsar Nicholas a letter and was like, let's meet. And he did. There are other versions of this as well. It's very unclear how this happened. Hmm. But basically, it's not the Tsar that gets him all this power. It's his wife, the Tsarina. Hmm. So Alexandra, she is the Tsarina, and they have a son named Alexei, and he has hemophilia because, you know, they all inbred. Um, and she becomes very quickly convinced that Rasputin can, like, heal her son, basically. Um, Faith Hilling, at this point, he was, like, known for it. It was, like, his thing. 
Um, and there are a couple instances of him apparently being like, I'm going to stop the bleeding and the bleeding would stop. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one particular instance where Ale- he's not even there. He's like at home. And Alexi was like hemorrhaging and had a huge hematoma. And so Alexandra like writes Rasputin's like, what the fuck do I do? And Rasputin's just like, leave him alone. He's not going to die. Let, don't let the mm-hmm. doctors come at him. Leave him alone. He'll be fine. I mean, um, to be fair, that advice, don't let the doctors come at him, is probably good advice. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Leave <and> him so, alone. <laughs> apparently, he got better. And it was one of those things that people just, like, can't explain. Mm-hmm. I did read about some, like, his, people have tried to explain it. And some things like hypnosis, which apparently his daughter kind of thought that's what he was doing. She called mm-hmm. it mesmerism, mesmerism or magnetism, but it seemed like it was in the same wheelhouse as hypnotism. Um, some other people were saying he probably just like wouldn't let the doctors give him aspirin, which is exactly mm-hmm. what you don't want to do with somebody with hemophilia. So he probably that just makes sense. saved him in that way from like so bad kind of medical practices. By accident helped him. Yeah. 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 So we don't know. We don't know. It's also probably a lot of just placebo effect in believing that he's helping. Mm -hmm. That makes a big difference. Yeah. So he is now in with the Romanovs. Like, he is part of their family. He called the Tsar and the Tsarina, like, Ma and Pa. Like, like he was their child. It was really weird. (laughs) It was, Um, like, stinky old man. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he became... The lamplighter for the czar, which basically meant he was the one who lit all the holy lights. Um, Mm. So he was around all the time. Um, And I wrote down, this is when he went full on dickhead and started to (laughs) amass power. So he would give the czarina like opium and stuff. He would get high with the czar all the time and basically made them reliant on him. That was Mm -hmm. the goal. It's like an abusive by, relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So by this point, people in Russia, as we know, if you know anything about Russian history, they reach in a point where they just don't want to have it anymore. And one of the things they really just don't want to fucking have is Rasputin dealing it's with weirdo. the yeah. royal family. So a lot of people started saying he was a heretic. There were so many fucking reports of him raping people. Um Ooh. And using his influence to mess with politics. A lot of people said he was sleeping with the Tsarina. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of rumors that he was being inappropriate with the princesses. Like, there Ooh. was a nanny at the palace who was like, he's, like, coming in the nursery and it's, like, fucking weird. Um, you know, she got fired. Do you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something to that, you know? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And who would have really written about it? Like, no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he raped a maid. The maid <gasps> got fired. Really? Yeah. This dude yeah. was bad news. He used to apparently, like, pay prostitutes and would, like, take them in bathhouses and then would, like, beat them to beat out the sin and then would have sex with them and leave. <gasps> like, he was just, like, trash. Oh, my God. So, basically, he was fucking anybody in his cult that would let him. Uh, he was raping people whenever he wanted. Um, so the Orthodox Church started to really, like, push back against him. They were like, he's a heretic. Um, and a lot of people in general just started to turn on him. Like, they saw what was happening and were mm-hmm. not about it. I don't know if you've ever seen the animated movie Anastasia, but their of depiction course. of Rasputin in that movie is probably spot fucking on. <laughs> I've seen Minus that. the t- the bat. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bat's weird. I've also seen the musical, which the bat is not in. <laughs> so... At this point, Russia is, like, at its downfall. So feudalism has ended. We're approaching World War II. Relations with Germany are really World tense. War I, right? Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. One. Um, the Tsarina was German, so people were already, yeah. like, not about that. And their relationship was, like, really pissing people off. So this is when they try to kill him. So in 1914, Chonya... Goiseva attempted to kill him when he was at home by stabbing him, uh, but he didn't die. Uh, she like thought he was a random dude or girl. So this is a woman, I believe, okay. and she, 
I read about it. It was something to do. She was a follower of some priest or something. Uh, and I guess Rasputin had dealings with him. And it was like shady. And I don't okay. know. She she was out to get him. A nemesis. Um, so she stabbed him. She said he was a false prophet. She, he was the Antichrist. <laughs> she was later found not guilty by reason of insanity. So there's that. Huh. Really? So, yeah. Hmm. In another two years, a bunch of Russian nobles get together and they're like, yo, we have to get rid of this dude. Like, he has too much power. He's influencing stuff He's a too fucking much. weirdo. Right? Like, his weird sex cult. We have to get rid of him. So, all I can think of is him, like, as Jafar, like, over yeah. the Tsarina. Yes, that's so accurate, I think. Yeah. So, this group of dudes lure Rasputin to Prince Felix Yusupov's palace and they murder him. So the first thing they try to do, apparently, there's a lot of mystery around this story, is they try to poison him. So they like poison his food with cyanide and he's eating the food. Fucking nothing's happening. So they poison his drink. He's drinking the drink. Nothing fucking happens. Is he aligned <laughs> with God? Is he right? And so they're like, oh my God. <laughs> what the fuck? So they shoot him. Oh and God. then for some reason they leave. I don't know why. To like go get something, I guess. Uh, and they come back to like get the body. And he jumps up. And he's still alive. And so they shoot him again. And then they throw him in a river. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so they had to try to they had to kill him basically four times before he died. Yeah. And then there were all these stories about like his body when it was found, like maybe he was still alive when they threw him in the river. There was like a story that someone like chopped off his penis. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, I've heard that about um, him. But basically that was the end of a shit human. Side note, I wrote this down. His daughter became a lion tamer. <laughs> Okay, that's kind of fun. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting side note, so. Yeah, I kind of wonder along those lines, like, just kind of what became of his family if they were shunned, if, you know, Mm -hmm. they could live normal lives, if people associated them with him. His daughter moved to America. So there's, like, descendants of Rasputin in it. Yeah, she did get married, and I believe she had kids, so. How interesting. Yeah. But, like, I have literally never seen a slimier person. Like, he just looks slimy. He could apparently dilate his pupils on command. So he could, like, make his eyes look just, like, black. That's really scary. He's just skeevy. I think it just shows that I think cults have been a thing for as long as people mm-hmm. have been a thing. And there's pe- there are people who know how to manipulate people and brainwash them and have people follow them. Yeah. It's not shocking to me that people in Russia thought he was the Antichrist. Because yeah. he really do be filling a lot of those biblical qualifications for <laughs> the Antichrist. Well, and if you look at pictures of him, he's kind of scary looking, right? He's, and he has that like weird bald spot on his head and like he didn't shower or bathe. So his like hair is all stringy. And he's the kind of person who... He knows people's vulnerabilities and he knows how to manipulate them, mm-hmm. like with the Tsarina, with her son, and just making it mm-hmm. look like he's doing more than what he is. Yeah, man. This is just to go to show you, just because somebody's like illiterate doesn't mean they're an idiot. Oh, for real. Like, being smart with people is a whole different kind of smart and arguably mm-hmm. more powerful kind of smart. I think it is more powerful, for sure. It'll yeah. take you further. Yeah. Ooh, that's spooky. And yeah, for those who don't know, that was a big reason why the Russian Revolution happened and just people losing faith in their czar and tsarina and they were all assassinated. They all died. Even the kids. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And when you think about it, what was that, like 1918, 1917? That was like 100 years ago. A major country's government was overthrown like that wasn't that long ago you know what's crazy to me is i was watching some miniseries about uh prince john who was a prince of like england during this time period like from robin hood (laughs) yeah and he had um epilepsy 
Uh, no, what was his name? Was it John? Richard? Richard was, was Richard? like the lionhearted and John was like the cowardly one. Okay, this John is was based like off the, the Disney one. Robin Hood yeah, 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 movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he had like epilepsy. So it was about that. But in like a scene, they basically hear about the family getting killed. And it's crazy because it was their cousins. Because they're all related. So the British oh. royal family is like sitting there and it's their cousins. Like they were first cousins, I think. I just listened to a podcast recently about Anastasia and they talked all about how people, I guess, at the time were like, why didn't England step in and rescue the Russian family? And I guess they really couldn't without risking people Mm -hmm. like turning against them because the Russians were just so unpopular at that point. It was like crazy. I just never thought about it from that perspective that you're watching Mm -hmm. your cousins They also talked about how the period of time where they could have been rescued, like there was a period of time where before it seemed to get really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And if they were going to do it, they had to do it before like winter time when everything froze over and it would have been impossible to like really go get them. And it Mm -hmm. didn't get bad until like after that point. Russia in the winter, man. Learn from Napoleon. It's not a place you want to go. Oh my gosh, like Russian history is so fucking interesting. It is. I took a a class on it in college and I was like, I know nothing about this. Yeah. I have no point of reference. We don't learn about it, or at least we didn't learn about it at all in high school. It's all World War II and Germany. (laughs) You would like it. You should look up some Russian nihilist books. Mm. They're really, there's like this one we had to read and there was a line in it where the guy was like, I only, <laughs> I only look to God when I have to sneeze because you go like this. And I was like, oh, fool. I mean, it makes sense why they all, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that. It's very stereotypical. I was going to say why they all like drink vodka or like sad. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. So. Brutal history, brutal climate, you know, brutal politics everything yeah, i think a brutal climate just causes like a brutal history like uh-huh. how could it not yeah. you know you know there's something to that yeah <laughs> am i an unintentional genius oh is this God. is this my thesis does seasonal depression contribute to all of the world's problems <laughs> i don't know man i will say though like Iceland's pretty chill and they, you know, it's dark there for. I think though with Iceland, it's just so small, you know, there's mm-hmm. not, I mean, with Russia, Russia is so massive, so big, so many people, so much influence, so many like connections to the rest of Europe. I think it's like criminally misunderstood about too, like how many ethnicities there are in Russia. Oh yeah. And that like half of Russia is Asian, like Oh, yeah. I still don't really understand it completely. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, I think in Siberia and stuff, they look with what I would associate as Mongolian. Yeah, like, that's something I don't really understand is, like, the Mongolian part and just, yeah, the different ethnic groups there. What is that? Eurasian? Eurasian? I think that's what that is. Well, that was really interesting. I learned a lot. I always enjoy discussion discussing Russian stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. We could do another episode on it. I would love to talk about, like, Russian orthodoxy. I think it's interesting. Yes. We could do a religions episode where you just tell me about religions. <laughs> yeah. They're really into icons. Uh-huh. Well, like, I think I learned that, I don't know if it's, like, russian orthodoxy it's some kind of orthodoxy where they really um like admire judas because because of judas you know jesus was crucified Mm -hmm. so really judas is like a hero in the story which is like a different take on it it's all about that interpretation right and don't quote me it's in some culture i don't remember which one it's awful (laughs) i like that though i was talking to my therapist about how me and my mom just see religion differently and how like we were talking about the story of the prodigal son and how when I was little, I thought the story was about the son who stayed. And I thought mm-hmm. the son who stayed was the prodigal son. And that was like mm. the message you were supposed to take from it. 
And my mom just like looking at me and being like, that is not the message of that story. And I was Uh, like, that's the message I took from that story. Isn't that interesting that, yeah, stories, it's all about your interpretation and your interpretation isn't any less wrong than hers. Mm -hmm. Like Noah's Ark. Should I interpret that, that God cared more about his animal creations than people? I mean... When I think about that story, I think about a vengeful God that smited everyone and Mm -hmm. didn't love everyone. (laughs) But made an effort to save all the animals. It's a scary, yeah, scary Old Testament God. I tell you. We'll do a religions episode. I'll put it on our list. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Zoroastrianism. I don't know what that is. So, yeah, you'll have to tell me. Excellent. Well, I think that's our time. Time's up. Thanks all for listening. We appreciate you. Please follow us on all of the things. And if you're joining us from a Podnod recommendation, because apparently that's where all of our listeners come from, hello. <laughs> hello, Podnod. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.